Just a couple of months into his tenure, and Chris Armas has already delivered Toronto FC Champions League football. Probably wasn't how he drew it up, uh, nor how any of us wanted to get to that point, but we'll discuss Toronto FC being awarded Canada's birth in the 2021 Cap Champions League on this week's edition of Waking the Red Weekly, presented by Footy Talks. My name is Mitchell Tierney. We'll also touch on Toronto FC's COVID situation, the first few games of 2021, and plenty more. Alex Gongay-Huzik between the sticks. Vancouver is the guest. On this week's show, he'll fill us in on wild offseason for the Whitecaps. A lot going on there, as well as the Olympic qualifying for Canada as well. Jeffrey Pinesker, Michael Singh, how are you guys doing this week? I'm good, Mitch. I'm good. And like you said, Armas doesn't even need to play games, man. He just delivers. Just a winning coach. Let's go. <laughs> I have uh, I have one question as we start, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. What, what What color is North London right now? What color uh, as is Mitch it, said, 10th place. <laughs> That's not a color. North <laughs> London is red. Speaking <laughs> of that. Anyway, there we go. Speaking yeah, of that, moment. did you guys see that Bleacher Report uh, tweet with it used? Although, the, we the North one? We the North oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> Come yeah. on. That's some serious copyright infringement. No, that's. Question. Hey, I was about to play Question. Sweet Caroline and do Ian Wright's dance before you guys told me that that maybe wasn't a good idea. So copyright <laughs> isn't my forte today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some concerning tweets from the Toronto Raptors as well, suggesting they might be Liverpool fans. So uh, I don't know. I don't know who tweeted that or, or what happened, but I assume we'll see That's some uh, cleaning house at the Raptors pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> and it has nothing to do with them being 10th in the, the standings either. Um, but... Uh, but uh, before we, you know, clown on Jeff too much, we do have to give him his due. <laughs> he was right. He was right. The uh, 2020, now I guess 2021, it's technically 2020, our Canadian Champions final is uh, is postponed. And, uh, you know, the CSA announcing that, um, the fact that it was supposed to initially be played before the CONCACAF Champions League, Toronto FC, of course, as we mentioned off the top, awarded the birth. The game supposedly will still be played. In Hamilton, um, as you know, pandemic restrictions allow, we would assume that comes with fans because it wouldn't really make sense for Toronto FC to be able to travel back if that's not the case. Um, it's not a win-win, but it's not a lose-lose either, I think, at the end of the day. And it seems like at least the clubs themselves publicly are happy with, with how this situation turned out. It's not ideal for anyone, but what is right now? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yes. I was going to say, like, what is ideal? Um, you know, the Canadian Championship, it's it's a trophy in its own. It, it's a final in its own. But it's mm-hmm. also, this year in particular, a very special opportunity to showcase the best in, in Canada soccer. And this yeah. past year, it's been Forge FC and, and Toronto FC. And I think that they got the call right to postpone the game especially, you know, given Hamilton the game because they gave up that Champions League spot, like credit to both teams for finding a solution to this. And I still think there is a victory here for Forge because let's say hypothetically they had to go play that that March 20th game on less than a week of training I, against Toronto FC, who were already the overwhelming favorites. I doubt that game goes very well for Forge, even no. if it does. And, and uh, two weeks later, you're playing Club Leon in Mexico. 
And that's an even greater test, you can argue. So for a team that hasn't had really had preseason, it just doesn't make sense to send them there um, into this tournament. But that being said, like I said off the bat, this is a, an opportunity now for Forge to really showcase what that they have. And they have time to prepare. They have the time to do it in front of fans. They have time to make this a grand spectacle. And I think mm-hmm. for me, that that's a win for Canadian soccer based on like where it was. Let, let's take baby steps before we start taking giant leaps. Forge, you need to accomplish, get, conquer MLS teams before we, we get into the Champions League and start having that discussion. I mean, Forge couldn't even really conquer CONCACAF or the... Wait, what is it? Conk That's Cap a tongue twister. Conquer, Say that three times fast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just pleased that I've got the time now to figure out which Forge jersey and which TFC jersey I'm going to cut in half and then sew together as my priorities to wear to the to wear and not and not sit in any section. I'm going to have to sit. I'm going to have to be a section upon myself at Tim Hortons <laughs> at that game. But uh, what are you going to do? You know. Yeah, I suppose the one. I mean, there's a couple of unfortunate things, but one of the unfortunate things for Toronto FC, of course, is now how do they prepare for this game? This would have been kind of a built-in opportunity for them to, you know, uh, again, that kind of sounds bad bad from a Forge perspective. <laughs> I don't mean necessarily we're giving this game to Toronto FC, but um, if, if they were to get to that Leon game, they would have had a, at least one game under their belt and, and a decently competitive one. So now it's probably about figuring out uh, what they can do in preseason. We know the last time they played in Mexico at altitude, um, they had a, and this is what Will Dunn suggesting in a, in a question. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> any yeah. chance Toronto FC can forfeit the first game and take a one nil result. I think it's a three nil loss for any sort of forfeit in soccer. So, I mean, I don't think that's something Toronto FC is going to, going to want to do. <laughs> I think it's probably better to, to go in there and play the match, even from so many perspectives, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they how they start um, this preseason and what they have planned for for that in preparation of this game because obviously they will want to you know do as much of that as they can. the The one thing that does help them, of course, they're going to lose some players to national team duty, but those players will also be in Florida. So at, at, from that perspective, um, you know it's not the worst case scenario. No, and that's exactly why they decided to go down to Florida in the first place. And to build off your original point there, and what sort of, I guess, preseason matches Toronto FC will have, I mean, we've we've heard Montreal, and I, mm-hmm. I do believe something will happen there uh, before mm-hmm. TFC head to, or head to Mexico and face Club Lyon. Um, we've heard that they're willing to help out as much as they can. Obviously, this week or last week, I guess, put things uh, put things aside and made things a little bit more difficult but that being said montreal is also going to be based out of florida um so i wouldn't be surprised to see both teams perhaps head down there a little bit before um get in a, a preseason game and then tfc head to to mexico and, and take it on so keep an eye out for that i'm excited <laughs> man i'm excited there's nothing else to, to say other than the fact that we're finally getting there man we're finally getting mm-hmm. to these games and we talk about the Canadian soccer schedule that's coming up. Guys, prepare, because there's going to be a bunch of footy around the corner. It's something we've been starved of and deprived of for like the last <laughs> last three months. <laughs> well, TFC footy, but I mean, in terms of footy footy, I've, I've watched more fair soccer enough. over the last year than I have in my entire life uh, uh, outside of it. Um, you know, we, we talked about this last week, and, and I wanted a bit of clarification. I, I'm sort of keeping a, a side sheet of notes about stuff that we mentioned that later I'm like, I I, I don't quite understand when we were talking about 10 days prep 
both of you were like, that's not enough time. And while I agree with you, I just want some clarification. How is 10 days not enough time to, to prepare for a game? I mean, video sessions, just getting up to a certain level of match fitness with repeated training sessions. Like you have to imagine that in a perfect world, 10 days isn't going to be chock-a-block with training sessions 24-7. So I'm just wondering, uh, you know, why why the response was was so unanimous between you that, that 10 days wasn't enough time to prepare. If this was mid-season and there was a break and you have a 10-day break in between games, sure. But these are guys who haven't, like, sure, they've done their off-season regimen, but there's no replacing actual game action and no replacing the work that you have to do to get into that level and when you're especially when you're at the highest level in in you know soccer in canada there's an expectation for how fit you have to be and Mm -hmm. for me there's just there's no possible way of getting your sharpness back your touches back your match fitness back being asked to do whatever work there's just no way to get that back within a week um because then you got to think about you got to give them a, a day of rest or two before the game itself um so you cut that down to eight days and that, mm-hmm. that's really tough that i mean can you go outside right now start running doing laps whatever and can you get fit in a week <laughs> you're asking <Okay>. me <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe is, is, is this animated or real life i'm not sure but like uh, yeah, uh how, what what kind I, of montage music do we uh yeah exactly on you give me a montage i can i can be fit and I think I think we need to film that segment but (laughs) realistically though like if Mm. you're gonna go like let's say you run two kilometers every day whatever yeah are you gonna upgrade that to four kilometers in in a week I think that that's a stretch that's a very big stretch and if you come like you got to put that into perspective for a professional soccer player and for me that's just you need Mm. more time than that Okay, yeah. I got let you. alone I got let alone all the tactics side of everything and like unless you're doing this 24 hours without sleeping like I just mm. I don't see a way where you fit everything in. Yeah, it's it's okay. 4 kilometers with Chris Mavinga sliding at your ankles so that has to be <laughs> considered <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean wouldn't 10 days just make you more scared of Chris Mavinga sliding at your ankles like there there would be an argument that you know I'd rather just go in cold and lose my ankles than like dread about it for 10 days and then lose my ankles anyway. So I don't know. I don't know. I just I like to get things sideways and uh, I appreciate the the clarification. Because oh, yeah. to me, it just it just seemed like it was like it was it was a bit um, uh, 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 it, it, it just seemed a bit of an exaggeration. Like, oh, my God, if we don't have 10 days, you know, the world's going <laughs> to stop spinning on its axis. And I was like, 10 days. Like, wh- what do you need 10 days for? Like, the, you know, anyway, put, but, but I appreciate it. Like MLS, the MLS regular season that starts April 17th. Mm-hmm. Preseason's already kicked off for, for every club there. So they've gone over a month to prepare for the regular season, not even a championship game. So I guess that gives a little bit more perspective, just how much time teams need to get ready. Yeah, let's let's get into Toronto FC's preseason preparations a little bit because, as we as we know, they were hampered, and and more information on that coming out this week from Canadian Press's Neil Davidson. Um, Toronto FC back in training yesterday, which is which is a positive, but. Uh, there were nine cases of the virus reported among players and staff. Uh, everyone's feeling well, um, but obviously, you know, that needs to continue to be monitored before they can head down to um, to Florida and, and figure out that whole situation. One interesting note that Neil Davidson did report that, you know, I, I it stood out to me was Toronto FC might actually be able to get their vaccines and probably the same with the Montreal Impact um, and 
potentially the Vancouver Whitecaps uh, as well, just because of uh, Florida and, and the way they're they're doing their vaccine rollout and how you can potentially get a vaccine as a tourist um, next month in Florida. So, you know, in Toronto FC, the, the situation might actually improve for Toronto FC once they get down to Florida. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, obviously something that that has been delaying Toronto FC's preparation uh, of late. Mm-hmm. It's just it's the world we live in right now. Go ahead, mm-hmm. Jeff. Well, you know, there were inklings on the on the Twitter machine, uh, you know, that people had an issue with with TFC, uh, you know, jumping the queue to get vax. But I don't have a problem with this. I mean, they you know, if anybody they're frontline workers, they're in it. They're almost essential frontline workers and, and they're taking risks. So why mm-hmm. wouldn't they? Um, you know, be be up for for vaccination. Uh, certainly, it would be in the best interest of MLS to sort this all out before the season begins. It's just one more variable to knock off. Um, no one's suggesting that it will immediately go back to full fans and stands and you know sellies with that that are just you know glorified hugs. Tell that uh, to the UFC. But, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. if we're just twenty fourth full stadium. Uh, full, full capacity. I, we, we work on different. Uh, we work yeah, in different yeah. worlds. That's an entirely different planet. So <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, uh, and there's one thing mm-hmm. about the vaccination that you make. You make a good point there, Jeff. But mm-hmm. I think it's also crucial to point out, as Mitch said, they'll they won't be jumping the line really in Florida. Mm-hmm. They'll be there. They uh, they fall under the the guidelines of the people who are allowed to get the vac- vaccinations. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can go back and forth and debate this stuff over and over. It's going to come down to the per- the player itself and their personal standpoint and how they feel they should get the vaccination. We just hope that, like, if they do get it, they'll be safe, right? Yeah, and yeah. That, that's the biggest takeaway from all of this. They don't have to deal with anything COVID-related like they've been going through at training camp. And I don't know if they would have been able to get in that March 20th date because of these COVID cases. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that's another thing, important thing to highlight. I know a lot of people, I mean, Canada Soccer's press release put essentially the, I don't want to say blame, but, you know, faulted almost Forge for not returning to training. I mean, mm-hmm. Toronto FC also played a role in this too, because you can't schedule a game when one team can't play it and let alone another team's not training. So I think there's two sides to that, even though Forge obviously took the fall a little bit there. Yeah. And I think, you know, with, with the vaccination, obviously you, you're hoping that you know the obviously in Florida the healthcare workers and and the vulnerable people will have been vaccinated first. But uh, to to the point with athletes, right? Like we we know that this uh, this virus can cause issues with the lung. It can cause issues with the heart. So we've seen professional athletes who have had that sort of thing. You know, as as much as uh, for, for example, you know us, right? Like generally healthy people, lung issues would suck, but they're not gonna. Mm mess with what I do professionally for an athlete obviously that that immediately has a yep. major impact on what you're doing professionally so that's uh, obviously you know we want we want the important people out of the way first but then athletes athletes should certainly I think be considered at least a higher tier than you know gen pop um, just, without, just for that without question without yeah. question um, and 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 you know I, I take umbrage with people that that uh, that that disagree with that because they've they've put they they've put you know they, they've put themselves on the line for our entertainment uh and uh and then to 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 say, you know the, it's a valid excuse so i mm-hmm. think that's all i'll say on that yeah and uh alex is here so we'll bring him nice. on and, and get some white caps and uh canadian olympic talk here as a busy busy time coming up for for both of those teams 
Um, yeah, now joined <laughs> by Alexandre Gagné-Luzic. Uh, Look at that. Editor-in-chief between the sticks, Vancouver. Covers Whitecaps, national team, Campiel, basically all things Canadian soccer. Alex, great to have you on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, glad to hop on with you guys and chat. I think a lot to talk about this week. So much going on in the soccer world. So I'm excited just to chat about all that, especially the, the Canadian national team and a bit of white caps, of course. I'm just going to call you Alex, if that's okay. I'm not going to try and, and you know, yeah, pronounce no, it like all good. I don't think I can pull it off. If anything, I'll just butcher it. So we're just going to go <laughs> from here on out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alex, Alex is the way to go. Absolutely. <laughs> did I get it or did I butcher it as well? You honestly nailed it. I mean, the amount of times, like the awkward conversations I have in Zooms, especially in school, where they kind of look at my name and it's just kind of Alexandre. Like I think the other day I heard like four different pronunciations within like a 20 minute period. I'm like, maybe I should just put Alex, but I also kind of like the, the struggle. <laughs> get, it, get it out right now. How do you pronounce your name? Uh, Alexandre Gange. Technically Ruzic, because it's like, you know, Eastern European, but right. Ruzic passed. No, no, no. I want to know the OG. How do, you, how do you say it? Let's go. One word. Ruzic. Alexandre Gange Ruzic. That would be the, the correct. I love it. All right. Pulisic. I love I it. it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not Pulisic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's get into things here, because as you said, we do have a, a lot to talk about um, coming up for... For all, all the teams you cover, but uh, let's let's start with the Canadian Olympic team. You know, uh, their roster was released last week. Um, you know, probably not the team everyone was hoping for, but still a pretty solid squad. And and obviously, from from your perspective, a lot of white caps as well. What were your thoughts on on the roster as a whole? Well, that's it. It was always going to be a tough roster, especially when the the Toronto FC COVID cases came down because. Obviously, Chris Armis had mentioned that he might not have been able to release all of his players, or at least not willing to, but there was still likely going to be maybe a Noble Akello, maybe if Kanda was really lucky, a Liam Fraser, or Ralph Prizo. Those all could have been very useful names in the midfield where Kanda's probably the weakest at the moment. But elsewhere in the squad, they've got a solid back line. They've got plenty of competition in goal, and they have some pretty good forwards to, to throw in the mix. I mean, just the Whitecaps players themselves – Derek Cornelius is a massive get. I mean, personally, I think he's probably the best center back in the first team, like in terms of form the last year. So the fact that he's playing for the U23s is huge. Zachary Broguiard was pretty good last year for Montreal, probably one of the best right backs in the whole Canadian pool. So again, a big get. And then you got guys like uh, Theo Bear. He's He's been ready for MLS minutes. He needs more MLS minutes. So I think this could be a big opportunity for him to, to kickstart his his just his 2021 season as a whole. And then you look at the Canadian squad. What I find very interesting is that there's a good mix of veteran players. You look at someone like Aiden Daniels, you might not expect much from him, but former TFC guy, he's got over a hundred USL appearances that cannot be understated how important that is in a tournament like this, where you look at the other teams in their group, they're loaded with veteran players who play a lot in their domestic leagues. And Canada always hasn't always had that in the past. So I think that could give him a, an advantage in a short tournament like this. Shout out Aiden Daniels, former TFC mm. Academy product, of course. Um, you, you sort of mentioned it there off the bat of the TFC players, and they're going to be missing. Canada obviously hasn't qualified for the Olympics since 1986, I think it was. I think 84. 84. Yeah, I think it was 84. 
Ridiculous. Either way, ridiculous. <laughs> um, how much is this team going to be missing those TFC players when you think of the likes of like Jaded Nelson, even Jaquil Marcel Rudy, and Ralph Priso, especially in like the midfield? How much are these is this Canada team going to be missing that? And do you think that affects the end result potentially? I mean, you mentioned the midfield. It's 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 key because I look at someone like Ralph Priso. He could have been a very good transitional piece in the midfield because when you can't when you have such good defenders and a good front line, you're kind of your worry is how do you get the ball between them? And that's usually midfielders. I mean, Michael Baldisma, I didn't mention him earlier. He's going to be massive for Canada. His What he showed last year in a, a small sample size for the Whitecaps, he's going to be playing a lot for Canada. I think that's a good thing because there's not a lot of what he brings on the roster. Having a guy like Preso or Liam Fraser, if he was available, they could have remedied a lot of those, I guess, that burden that will be put on Baldissimo. So I think the midfield is the biggest Part of uh, what what we're, what you're probably missing with no TFC there, but that's just the reality of this tournament. You look around, technically Canada has an excellent crop of U23 players, but with this being a non-mandatory FIFA tournament, clubs don't have to release their players. I mean, in an ideal world, you got Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies down in Mexico <laughs> tearing it up, but that, that was never going to happen. And then you look even just around Europe, I think one example is Harry Patton. Uh, he plays over, over in Europe and he's... Mauro Biello really wanted him. He's a midfielder. He could have added a lot to, to Canada's team. And his club team was like, no, we don't we don't want to uh, send him over because we need him. And he didn't even end up playing on the weekend. So they say that and, and they don't even end up playing him, which which sucks. So it's, it's that's just the reality of this tournament. TFC or not, there is always going to be important players missing. So it's just finding the guys that you know will will come and they can put in a shift from you. And with the 20-man squad, there's it, – it, it's just such a unique tournament because you're 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 looking for players that can kind of offer a bit of bit of this, a bit of that at different positions since you're not always getting your full squad anyway. So I think the TFC absences certainly suck, but I do think Canada can can make up for it in other ways. Which kind of segues into into my first question, which is do you see a lot of change in this roster if we actually manage to qualify for the tournament? I, I imagine a lot of these guys will be there in the Olympics. It's it's tough to say because I guess theoretically Canada could load up and go for it again, bring in those aforementioned names like Davies and David, but it ultimately depends on clubs with European club season starting late in the late in summer. Some teams might be willing to give up their players, some don't, but the big issue with that is the World Cup qualifiers in June. Canada is mm-hmm. definitely going to load up for those because... Those are massive games. They want to make the World Cup. And I mean, there's also a Gold Cup. Personally, I think between the two, if they make the Olympics, they should probably go for the Olympics just because it's rare. It's every four years. Players would prefer that. But just with the timing of World Cup qualifiers in June, a Gold Cup in July, and then the, the Olympics late July, early August, there's just so much football mm-hmm. for Canada to have to manage, potentially having upwards of my math is correct, 60 players total because there's around 20-man squads for each. Can, do you get enough players? You're not getting players going to all three. No way in this no way. busy yeah. club climate. Like They're not going to release their players. So I imagine, I guess, sim- a, a handful of guys will probably stay, but ultimately it's just going to be kind of get who you can and then, then see from there. And maybe you get three decent overagers because obviously that will be allowed if they make it to the Olympics, fingers crossed for that. But too early to tell. Yeah. Right. Just, a, just a quick follow-up. Uh, I've read a few... Uh, 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 articles that that have pointed to the potential for this uh, roster to to really go for wide play in terms of the attack, uh, and uh, 
I'm wondering if you agree with that assessment. I think that's a, a perfect assessment. You look, you start at the fullbacks. I think Zorhan Basang and Zachary Bogi are two very good attacking fullbacks. We've seen that for, I mean, Basang with Canada, also in, in Europe when he played for, for Bruges. And then obviously I think now for Montreal, we're going to see a lot of that. Bogiar, again, known quantity, even someone like Marcus Cadinho, the same. And then you look at the wingers, there's just a lot of intriguing options. And there's also a few wild cards there. I think you start with Tejan Buchanan. Uh, he's, he knows, he knows mm-hmm. how to take the, the <laughs> those guys on in 1v1 arrows, as you guys know, as a as a fellow Toronto man's, as we'll say. And then he's going to have to be huge because his form last year, Canada's going to lean heavily on on him. And then another guy is, is kind of maybe flying under the radar is Chris Twardek, who's playing over in Poland. He's probably one of the most mass, match fit, fit t- players in the tournament, sorry, because he's been he's played, I think, 12 games in Polish's top division, which that's no feat. Some of these guys, I think Balu Tabla is another example. He's only played 12 games in the last 24 months. So he, obviously we all know the potential he brings. He's probably going to have to start as a super sub. But you got guys like Tordek who are in form, Buchanan who are in form, and then even some wild cards again, like Ryan Raposo off of the bench. He could also be an option. You got Charles Andreas Brim can slide on the wings. I think they're going to really focus their play down the wings, and then maybe you try to filter balls to a guy like Theo Bear who can finish in the air, finish on the ground, and latch onto those chances. Right That's on. exciting. That's super exciting because uh, – you know, you don't usually see an emphasis on wide play in, in, in under 24 tournaments. So it could be a, a really interesting tactical wrinkle, but it could also be a massive disaster. So <laughs> we'll, we'll just have to stay tuned for that. Yeah, it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, and just moving on there, you mentioned, you pretty much mentioned like the whole roster so far. <laughs> what, I, what I want to ask, and this is really Olympics, especially Olympic qualifying, it's a chance for a bunch of youngsters to, to get those minutes and to perhaps make a name for themselves, further make a name for themselves, for some of them. Name me three guys that you believe will will break out in this tournament, if you can. Oof. That's a, that's a good one. Um, yeah, that's a great one. Put him on the spot, Mike. Right on yeah. the spot. No preparation whatsoever. Go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it. This tournament, as I've kind of researched and learned more about, as I've kind of dove into the roster, while obviously the goal as a collective is make the Olympics, just the, these group of players, they have so much to, to, to want to accomplish personally that I, I could see a lot of, players coming here with a chip on their shoulder in particular mm-hmm. you know they want to they want to break out they could use this as an opportunity i'll start in goal i mean i have no idea who's going to win the sebastian brezza james pantemi's battle but i'd say one player to watch is pantemi's because already he's 24 he's been a hot prospect for years now i think I, I, he has eight call-ups to the senior team alone and he's never played so i think for him he might come in extra motivated. He'll want to win the starting spot. He'll probably play a game or two. They might end up just platooning it to start and then running with the hot hand if they make it to that famous win and you're in semifinals. So I'd say mm-hmm. James Pantemis, he's he's in the mix for the Montreal starting job as well. Clément Diop, his spot isn't as all secure as, as they expect. They got rid of Evan Bush, so it's really Pantemis versus Diop. I think Pantemis could be one to watch for that reason. Great Looking show. elsewhere on the ro- the roster, that's a, I'd say oof, maybe maybe Zorhan Basong. I thought he was excellent back in 2020 at the the national team camp mm. poutine. He was one of the standouts. No one had heard of him. He flew on the radar. He was he was excellent. He was stuffing stats. I think he was putting up like 
a ton of tackles, a ton of dribbles, ton of cue passes a game at the fullback position. Heading into it, he hasn't played in a year because his time at Cercle Bruges didn't end the way he wanted to. He ended up being a free agent, and that's how Montreal signed him. I think he has a lot to prove. So I'd say maybe Zorhan Bissong, so two Montreal players to start. And then lastly, I'll say someone like Theo Bear up top. I'll, I'll rock the Vancouver pick because we've seen it in Vancouver. He has massive potential. He knows he knows how to get into those goal-scoring areas. He just hasn't gotten the minutes. He hasn't gotten the chances. So hopefully in a tournament like this, he gets those chances that he maybe didn't always get in Vancouver last year. And he can get in the goals because he's going to need to be a central figure because if Canada doesn't score goals, they're not going to give their defense the run support they need. And I think if they do, they that's kind of a, a good recipe for success. You get one or two goals, you get those one, two nil wins, two, one wins. Those are the games that win you tournaments. It might not be pretty football, and it, but it wins you tournaments. And I guess in terms of honorable mentions, Michael Baldismo, of course, we know what he could bring someone like, again, Balu Tabla. He's just such a wild card. If he gets into form and, starts doing what he can do, he could end up being an explosive piece off the bench. Yeah, it's definitely going to be very interesting to watch how, like you said, all these factors consider together the, the COVID factor one as well. Um, There's been some rumors out of Canada camp that potentially they have a positive case again, um, which would (laughs) add another wrench into all of this. You can make replacements um, up until the, the start of the first game. If there's an injury or, obviously COVID related situation. I know they traveled down there with a couple extra guys from can PL. Um, so we'll see, we'll see if any replacements end up being made. That's, that's something to consider as well as we head into this first game on Friday, but I did want to transition things a little bit into, into the white caps uh, because it has been such an interesting off season for them. Um, you know, bringing in multiple players um, alone as well as, you know, signings, how much do you think this team's improved and where do they still need to improve? And why is it, you know, number 10? They've been busy. <laughs> they've, been, they've been splashing the cash this offseason, even dating back to last offseason. Mm-hmm. It's just typically it, it's not something you're used to from the Whitecaps. I think since 2019, the start of 2019, obviously at the end of 2018, they sold Alfonso Davies, but they're up to nearly $20 million of cash splashed on a multitude of players and you go across the board. And this offseason in particular, they, they spent $4 million on Caio Alexandre of Botafogo. They also spent $2.5 million on Dyber Caicedo of, uh, of uh, Cali down in, in uh, Colombia. Two young young money players, as they're famously called. So uh, they're, I guess, DPs of sorts, special DPs of mm-hmm. sorts. And then Bruno Gaspar on loan. Those three players were targeted very specifically for, for one reason and and one reason primarily, and that's to transition the ball forward. The Whitecaps last year, they struggled at getting the ball forward to their attackers, and it just hurt them in a multitude of ways because, firstly, when you're not getting your attackers the ball, you're not going to score many goals. So you have to defend a lot. Not all teams can handle that, and the Whitecaps didn't do a great job of handling it last year. They bled chances by all the advanced metrics, by all the normal metrics. Any way you cut it, they were bleeding chances. They weren't scoring enough goals. It's not a recipe for success unless you have difference makers up top and I guess a rock solid defense. And in MLS, not many teams have that. This was doomed to happen. So mm-hmm. they've rectified some of that. They've gotten the ball, players who can get the ball forward. And I think that's going to make a big difference just in terms of how they defend and how they attack. I mean, there's still missing piece like Mitch hinted at. They need a number 10 in the attack to kind of get their strikers the ball, get someone like Lucas Cavallini the chances 
he desperately needs to score 10, 15, 20 goals, as we all know he could in the right circumstances. But just getting the ball more up the field is going gonna, is gonna to help because while the number 10 will offer that final product, if you can still create a lot of chances by getting up the field, and I think with a guy like Bruno Gaspar at fullback, along with Ali Adnan, that gives the Whitecaps two of arguably the best attacking fullbacks in the league. That allows them to play, say, a Liverpool-esque style where they're throwing their fullbacks forward, they're dropping a midfielder back in compensation, and they're just pressing teams more. They're pushing themselves on teams more instead of just kind of sitting back and, and letting the play happen because, as we've seen for the last two years, they're just not really built to play that way. Richard Lura has something to say about that claim. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I want to talk about... I was going to say yeah, the left back. I don't know if Toronto's got the left back to match. So I just say the full back <laughs> pairs, but I agree. Richie Larea is one heck Not Justin Morrow's music? I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, we I might, wanna, we might I see wanna... Richie at left back. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I, I, w- I want to talk about my favorite Vancouver Whitecap, and that is Tossaint Ricketts. We uh, we love him over here on the East Coast, and I'm just wondering how uh, how the West Coast is taken to our boy Toss. Oh, no, he's he's been great here. Uh, Uncle Toss, as he certainly is to some Uncle players, he's been, a, he's, been, he's been a great mentor for a guy like Theo Bear at Stryker. They're, they're, you know, Theo's mentioned on multiple occasions that, you know, he really re- relies on what Ricketts offers him in terms of mentorship. Because, I mean, you talk about his career. He's seen it all. You, you, hear all stories, yeah. you see your stories of crazy initiations in Turkey, not getting paid. And all, he's just he's, he's just had such a weird resume that, his, his experience has been so valuable off the field. I mean, on the field, he can still bring a lot in his minutes. He presses. He's he's 33, runs like he's 25, which is mm-hmm. always a good mm-hmm. asset to have. He knows how to get in the goals. I think he scored two goals in, like, limited minutes last year. And even same the year before. He knows how to score goals. Oh, he He's knows. kind of been the perfect depth sub. And it's kind of like what T- he was for TFC a few years ago when they, they won the MLS Cup. He's just mm-hmm. depth. He's leadership. And that's been perfect for, for the Whitecaps because – they're such a young team. They had an average age of like around 23 years last year, which was the youngest team in the league. And the only reason they're not the youngest team in the league this year is because of Montreal's very, how do I say, wholehearted attempts to try and beat their claim to being the youngest teams. <laughs> so, Just signing all those young players. <laughs> yeah, they've been signing everyone under the sun who's been under 22 and, and whatnot. So a guy like to St. Ricketts, he's kind of the elder voice in that room. I think he's one of the only two or three players over the age of 30. He's been a, a massive voice. And hopefully he gets a lot of minutes this year with there being international duty. Cavallini's due for a few few trips yeah. away to join Canada. Ditto with Theo Bear. To St. Ricketts might get a few minutes. And as we saw last year, you can always trust him to give you an honest shift. That's what I like about him. You put him up top, you know what you're going to get. He, he showed that in, in games. I think LA Galaxy last year pre, you know, lockdown, shutdown, et cetera, when he scored the winning goal in a 1-0 win. He was exactly that. He got a surprise start. Everyone's like, kind of, what is he doing up top? He ran his butt off for 80 minutes, got a deserved goal. It just, he, he brings a good atmosphere to this team. And that's just important to have on a young roster. Absolutely. We love him. We love him. We miss him sometimes. But I also love uh, Patrick Mullins. So I'm kind of torn. But. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, before, before I let you go, Alex, I did want to ask one last question, which is I you have know, one more uh, after. Go all ahead. Though. All right. All right, fair enough. Um, but I did want to ask about uh, the the Whitecaps, and you you touched on it, the Whitecaps young player situation, because we on the show a lot of times hype up Toronto FC's young guns, and um, I think for good reason. But uh, honestly, looking at the Whitecaps and, and some of the young guys they have coming up, it's 
maybe they don't have the high-end talent of like a Jaquiel Marshall Ruti right now, but there's a lot of good young players working their way through the Whitecap system, I believe. So who are some of those guys that you're looking at this year that you think might take that step forward and, and you know, really be contributors for the team? Well, I think you have to start with uh, Baldissimo and Bear. I think they're still young players. It's, I mean, Baldissimo is a 2000-born, uh, Bear is a 99-born. They're still relatively young, and they're ready for a bigger step. They've shown that they can hang at the MLS level, so obviously you have to be excited for, for them. I think someone who could step up more is Damiano Piccile. He made his debut last year. I think he played about five seconds in the last game of the MLS season. So, I mean, at least he got to kind of put a, a bit of a, a, a five seconds played on his resume. Hopefully he gets to increase that decently this year because I think he's only 17 or 18. He's, he played for a U-17 Canada World Cup, I think, two years ago. He's got a lot of talent. He can kind of be an interesting number six, number eight-esque piece in the midfield who can move the ball around. I think I'm curious to see what happens with Gianfranco Faccinieri. He's a young center back, and center backs bloom later, so there's no rush for him. But they loaned him to Ottawa last year for the CPL season, and he played really well as an 18-year-old against professionals. So maybe he ends up sticking around with the Whitecaps with the likes of Cornelius missing out with on international duty. It's possible someone like Ranko Veselinovic also misses some uh, some time. They might need a guy like Gianfranco Faccinieri to step up. And then lastly, I think the the guy to watch in, in goal is Thomas Hassall because he uh-huh. came out of nowhere last year and they, they kind of, he was the third keeper to start the year. He pushed his way up. He got his chance kind of through luck at MLS's back and he just took it and ran with it. Mm-hmm. He was good to the point where they're, they, they can, they've cleared out the, the, the other goalkeepers they had last year. It's kind of Crepo versus Hassall in goal. I think Crepo should win that battle, but again, he's going to be away for national team duty. He's Canada's number two guy. They're not going to, they're going to call him up whenever possible. That leaves Hassal. That's a pretty good backup option for the Whitecaps to have. He's been doing great, making great progress under goalkeeper coach Yusuf Daha. There's been European interest in him. I think he could be someone if he gets the right minutes. He can end up thriving, especially if the Whitecaps end up defending better because that did, you know, that did wear on him. He, he kind of his stats mm-hmm. dropped as the year went along. But as a, a 21 year old rookie, you're not going to fault him too much for that. So I, I'm, I, I'm expecting big things from him this year when he uh, when he does get his chance. Nice and yay. Nice. We're all about we're nice. all about we're all about freeing the young guns here. So <laughs> you know, we're all about that sort of content. And um, what I want to ask is, you're not like I don't. You definitely follow TFC, and you're not an outsider by any means, but. Just from your perspective, what did, what are you making of this Toronto FC offseason with, in, in particular, the lack of moves that Toronto FC have made? I just wanted to get your take on that from a little bit of an outsider perspective. Well, it's interesting. It's, like, it's such a mixed bag because on one hand, you can't count out teams with pedigree in MLS. It's just a reality. MLS experiences, for better or for worse, a valuable commodity for many reasons. And you look at the, the roster TFC has, they have that in abundance. You do wonder, did they maybe, they didn't get some of the top end guys they would have wanted. I mean, who knows what, what's going on with Bore, why that's been their lone pursuit, why they haven't maybe considered other options since that hasn't always been uh, the best option. Sorry for the, the ambulances going by. Here. No, it's not, it, is, it was, per- as long it was as perfectly it's not timed. It's like, it's like Bore, <laughs> alert Claxon, alert Klaxon. Break, <laughs> yeah, breaking like, news. <laughs> what do you know that we don't? <laughs> Semi relevant to, to all that. And then, <laughs> yeah, the new coach situation. I think 
that could either fall flat on its face. I just think I look at Toronto FC, I wouldn't be surprised to see them take a step back. Ultimately, I can't count them out until I see them on the field. Honestly, I think the Champions League might be more of a curse than a blessing just because when you're not that fit, your roster isn't really complete, you've got a new coach. The last thing you want to do is go play at Leon, who, again, are like, what, I think the champions of Mexico last year's Apertura, mm-hmm. Clausura. Maybe if it was like a, a Guatemalan side or a smaller team, you kind of, you, you're able to ease it. No, you're going right into the Lions Den Champions League. Maybe if you come if you come out and win, it's a legendary story. But realistically, mm-hmm. worst case scenario, there's going to be a lot of injuries. Their form is going to suffer. That that'll play a, a big role on their season, especially when you're going away from home, like the Whitecaps in Montreal are. Wait, what what I see from TFC is obviously I think they'll they'll be able to compete. They have the roster to compete as is, but they do need to make some additions badly. And I just think the way that things are trending to start the season, a bad start could be on the horizon. And as we see with teams, it's really hard to dig out of those bad starts. So this could, I'm not seeing a supporter shield-esque season like last year where they, they came out strong and they kind of kept that momentum. But maybe they, if the, if things go well, they can kind of hover and make it in the playoffs. And then from there, as we've seen in the past, they make some da- do some damage. But uh, they're going to have to really overcome this this tough start to the season. It's not going to be easy for them whatsoever. Yeah, Why did we yeah, ask we'll the Whitecaps guy about TFC again? <laughs> 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 Sorry to damper enthusiasm. No, I, I love it, man. I, I, I want to hear some some different takes on it because sometimes, you know, we can get uh, almost in this sort of cloud of just, you know, we're inside the bubble and we, we want to know what's going on a little bit outside and what other teams are thinking about Toronto FC. And it's interesting to hear the, the, those thoughts. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, Speak I think yourself, you've. Uh, it's on first game versus yeah. the White you've, you've, ruined, you've ruined Jeff's day, but I think the rest of us appreciate you coming on I'm the show. Gonna, I'm just gonna look at my Arsenal talk and remember the weekend and, and all the all yeah all the White Caps and, and Canadian national team knowledge you've you brought. So yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks and, so much. Yeah, definitely, this we'll definitely awesome. have you on. Uh, Maybe towards that, uh, what is it, April 24th when the two sides meet in uh, Orlando? So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm going to open with so bad season, huh? So, champions. Huh? <laughs> yeah, hopefully, they don't go, like, go and smoke Leon and make me words. <laughs> All right. But yeah, thanks so much, Alex. Yeah, thanks, Thank Alex. So thanks for having me. Cheers. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, as we did mention with Alex, we do have the. The first couple dates for Toronto FC season, um, Bam. that being 17th Bam. against uh, Montreal Impact at uh, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, sorry, Miami Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and then traveling across Florida to Orlando, Exploria Stadium for their home opener, the first home opener outside of Toronto in Toronto FC's history. I think they played one at the Rogers Center, so it's not the first one, not at BMO. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, I remember What's uh, the Rogers Robert Center? doing flips. <laughs> 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 the sky dome are you talking about oh, yeah you're talking about the sky dome right, right? yeah this sorry all right, all right. Nonsense, i'm, try, I'm yeah. trying to get us some corporate sponsorship here all right? but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah no we we now at least know we know when Toronto's first game is going to be and we know when their first two mls games are going to be so we can we can start building towards that absolutely absolutely getting started right away with a derby and I, yeah. I like that, you know, a lot of times we see TFC, especially in the past, start off maybe on the West Coast. Some are a little bit warmer, um, so they don't have to play games. And obviously they can accomplish both now that no one's playing in Canada. So I'm all mm-hmm. for it. Let's get this this Derby underway right away. 
I want to see this this new look Montreal side with Laura Simon mm-hmm. on the touchline, and I want to see that their new coach too. It's it's just it's really exciting for for both sides. They're, both teams have new coaches, and I wonder how how much weight they'll they'll put on this rivalry because in the past, you know, those games got heated. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they always come out for a for a derby game, always, always. Yeah. So I'd be surprised if they didn't. Uh, it might be a slow start just because, you know, the first couple games in MLS back is back. We're, we're slow start games. But uh, I have faith that, that we'll get some quality footy eventually, maybe even in the second half. Mm. Yeah, there'll, there'll be enough players on both sides, yeah, I think, yeah. that we'll remember. Speaking of faith. <laughs> yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, just speaking of faith. Um, we had that story yesterday that came up about MLSC uh, moving sort of one step closer to allowing fans back into the stadium. And mm-hmm. the one thing I'm bringing that up is because I want to highlight the fact that TFC, I mean, we emphasized it on the show last week, but TFC emphasized that they had that them staying in Florida was contingent on borders reopening. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we see some positive news again about, you know, the MLSC taking that, that step, to opening back Scotiabank Arena, getting things back to normal operations. And BMO Field has to be right in line with there, if not ahead of that, because obviously they're an open environment. So I guess what I'm getting at is, hey, there's a chance. There's a chance, gentlemen. Yeah. There's a chance yeah. this summer that, that we see the Reds back at BMO Field and perhaps with fans in the stadium. So that's, again, a lot more than we could say even three months ago, man. And I'm just, it, it, things are starting to turn the corner and hopefully hopefully they're on the right the right way up yeah mm-hmm. i almost wonder that and the, the other explanation probably the real explanation is uh that they just didn't have places figured out where they're going to play yet and and they had to figure that situation out but i almost wonder if there was a plan to do a kind of mini mls canadian thing again just considering toronto FC's first couple fixtures of the season yeah yeah, that definitely but, gave, it was a bit of a surprise. I was like, "Oh, we're doing this again, but we're 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 doing this south now." You yeah, know? we're doing it in Florida. Uh, yeah, I wonder if that was exactly. that was in consideration, but um, I imagine it was. But Champions League, I've put a dent in that, and I think that's the Probably, biggest reason yeah. why because yeah. TFC have to go to Mexico and then they can't come yeah. back in quarantine for fourteen days, right? Um, yep. And then you also have the return leg for the Champions League, which can't be played in Canada because people visiting Canada would have to quarantine for fourteen days. So a team from Mexico. Mm-hmm would have to come chill for 14 days, which obviously is unfeasible. So that's that's probably more likely why TSC started <laughs> off in, in Florida. Hopefully the border situation with what's going on there, that gets resolved sooner rather than later. And I think as soon as that does, I, I don't see any reason why we can't see TFC footy back in Toronto. Yeah. And we said we said the first couple of games are Champions League and and then of course the the MLS games after that, but we actually lied. Toronto FC have a big game this weekend. Um, hopefully multiple big Huge. games in the EMLS Cup. Uh, our boy, <laughs> Phil B. I was like, scrimmages that I can't gotcha. watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, what do what you know? No, no, no. Phil B, uh, he's qualified for the tournament. He's going to play the last chance winner in the first quarter final on Saturday. Uh, semifinals go that day as well. And then the final on Sunday. So, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to watch. It's Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, MLS website. There's no excuses why you can't get out and, and watch, you know, the club in action, um, which, which is awesome. You know, obviously we've talked to him on the show before. Um, we know what, you know, representing the, this club means to him. And, and we know what this tournament means to him certainly as well. Yeah, yeah this we've all, the- and we've also seen the kits, which are awful. 
<laughs> yeah, they're not great. They're not no, great. they ain't great. No, no, no they're not they're great. Not very good. But uh, this one, they all have to wear them, or do they still wear their team kits? Do you uh, they're they're gonna wear their team kits, I'd imagine. Okay. Um, but yeah, if they're for charity. Oh. <laughs> Jeff and Charity. <laughs> like Jeff and me, and, me and Charity just. Anyway, <laughs> Jeff hates Charity. That's just, that's just, <laughs> <laughs> no, but obviously the, this one is the big one for Phil, and he he told us all the way back, and when we had him, I think it was January or February when he he was previewing the League Series one, the first event of the year, and right off the bat he mentioned the EL Must Cup, and this is the big one that he wanted to win, so. He did his part. What he had to do, he he finished fifth. That I think out of twenty six or twenty seven teams in the regular season, and Terrific. now he's he's earned a buy onto that quarterfinals. Where he, again, as Mitch said, he'll face the the last chance winner, um, whoever wins that that bracket. So exciting thing for Phil. Exciting news. Good thing to look out for. And also, if he does win that match hypothetically, and he wins this quarterfinal match, he'll move on to the semifinals. Well, he'll face the guy who's won Call the Leon? first two. No, the guy, yeah, essentially, <laughs> the guy who's won the first two events this year, and that's Diddy of New York City mm-hmm. FC. So, hey, it's an uphill battle, but this is what he's here for. This is why he wants to compete, and he wants to to be the best. So, to be the best, you have to beat the best. And if mm-hmm. he can get past, you know, that first round matchup, and if he pulls some magic off in, in those semifinals, I don't see any reason why not. Once you're in, anything can happen. And mm-hmm. we're, we're rooting for you, Phil, this weekend to to bring some money home. I think they're playing for forty thousand U.S. dollars, Ooh. which is hey, that's some pretty impressive money to play. It's like hundred thousand yeah. Canadian. Yeah. Oh yeah, easily really. hundred thousand. <laughs> the exchange rate, yeah. Um, <laughs> but what I will add to that is that it, this league is growing so much. I mean, forty thousand mm-hmm. is the biggest prize pool ever. They're the most teams ever competing, and viewership numbers for this for FIFA and uh, EMLS is record viewership numbers. So and I they mean, got jerseys. We're trending charity. upwards, and they got kind of like jerseys, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Oh, do you hate up. charity, Mike? What the hell, Mike? Mike Write <laughs> <laughs> the headline. <laughs> um, Will brought up an interesting scoop, which we haven't mentioned, which is. Uh, last I checked, Leon does have a league match two days before the CONCACAF Champions League game. Not sure if it was mentioned. It wasn't. Uh, but still, Leon is a heavy favorite, I would think, given the form. Uh, he's correct in that. They're in midseason form. But that is an interesting wrinkle that they do have a domestic match two days before they face off against TFC. So, you know, move a couple karma points over to the TFC column, back to the TFC column. Yeah. Uh, We've seen this before, though. Yeah. They, they usually just, you know play a reserve roster or i don't know where they are on the table we should probably we'll do all this research ahead of next week so are they <laughs> gonna, are they gonna so, besmirch us that but, bad are they actually gonna field a, a b-side against us no i meant a b-side probably in the league game like i remember ah, okay good good good. i think i think yeah. it's chivas um in in the week before they played toronto fc in the the Concacaf final in 2018 um, Chivas is the club where they they like number you based on your rank within the club. So they're running out guys with like triple digit numbers in the league game before the uh, the Champions That's League hilarious. final. Just That's this hilarious. is like their, their reserve. So that was TFC in in 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, remember that, that roster that game? they threw out against? Yeah, 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 yeah. Agri- so Agri- and, and like his cousins. Julian Dunn's only Milo. only appearance yeah. ever for Toronto was in that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that game that game was a was a steaming pile of bad. But uh, whew, whew, yeah, I wouldn't put game. too much weight into that. Um, them having a, a game a couple of days before, just because as Mitch said, they're probably not going to play their strongest side. Yeah, they're going to rotate their squads. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. 
yeah. but uh, another point I wanted to make is, at least last season, every time it seemed like TSC took a break and then came back, they were they were flying. They were they were playing some fantastic footy. And I remember, like the games that I'm thinking of is first of all the MLS's back tournament, and the first game was against DC United where. They played an outstanding 80 minutes. Outstanding. <laughs> Probably like one of the best 80 minutes yeah. I've seen them play. And then obviously mm-hmm. the last 10 Too minutes happened. Games don't end goals. at 80 minutes. Yeah. Um, and then they followed that up with with playing Montreal. And we know what happened in that game with Io Akinola. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was another break where TFC returned home for the Canadian set of games. And the first game that they played out of that break was against the Vancouver Whitecaps. And if you remember that game, they won three nothing, and I think that was still TFC's best performance of the season. That was the game where Pablo mm-hmm. Piatti scored that absolute screamer. Um, you are forgetting that the last time they went back home, pr- uh, prior to I guess it was dis- decision day when they had a, a week break and then they came back and it all fell apart. So it was I think I mean a, about- a week is a week is like. That's not really what I was more thinking, like a month oh, okay. off, like mm-hmm. in between ah, games, like oh, okay, a significant okay. amount of time. Like a week is just yeah. like a bye week and I don't really put too right, much right, weight right, on right. that. But okay. obviously anything can still happen. We have a new coach. We have probably new systems. We, it's going to be a new TFC this season. So yeah. anything can happen. That could be a bad What do we think? What are, what are our predictions for, for Claude well, Leon? Well, uh, let, let's get to that next week, I think, because we'll have okay. maybe more information, more... Uh, even a couple of weeks. I don't know. We well, we have a couple of shows here where we need to drag out this Club Leon thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, but, I don't uh, think we need to drag anything out because, man, sure. there's going to be so much yeah, footy coming up. That's fair, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. One point I did yeah. want to make, too, is like, is that might be a benefit for, for Toronto FC because Toronto FC is going to have all kinds of tape on Club Leon. Nobody's got any tape on Toronto FC. New coach. <laughs> that's a, a lot very, of new very players, good like, point. We don't. We don't know point. what. Even we don't know what this this team's yeah, gonna look like yeah. this season. So yeah. good luck to Club Leon trying to figure that out. Um, that's a, but that's yeah. a sick point, Mitch. That's actually that's a really really good show. Like because I mean Jeff, obviously did you like that point? Days, I did. I did <laughs> like that point. Well, because you know now that we need ten days to prepare for for single matches, right? You got to imagine mm-hmm. not having video <laughs> to watch is really gonna is really gonna cut down that that ten days, and they're just gonna be sitting around. You know, ordering DoorDash. So. somewhere that we said you need ten days to prepare for. <laughs> um, I'll do it in but, two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But to yeah, to be fair, like Michael said, we got so much coming up here. I mean, Canada plays El Salvador Friday. Phil B's playing on Saturday. I'm calling it. Phil B's playing on Sunday. Let's go. And Canada's playing Haiti on Monday. So we got a weekend full of of you know action coming up. So excited. Um, we should probably wrap up the show there, though. But as we said, a lot to look forward to. Alex getting us prepped for it, both in terms of you know the white caps and and it's always interesting around the white caps. But they've certainly added uh, some more interesting pieces this year as well. So excited to see what they're up to. The national team as well. Um, obviously, the men, uh, the senior men's national team will will get into gear uh, probably coming up next week as well. Um, we'll have extensive coverage of that on Waking the Red as well. If you enjoyed this week's show, head over to iTunes, give us a rating um, and a review. That'll help us a bunch in terms of, you know, more people tuning in. Um, but, you know, to the people that have, uh, thank you so much for, for all the so continued much, support. We really enjoy doing this. And and obviously, you know, now now we're going to have games to talk about. So it's only, it's <laughs> only going to get better from here. So on behalf of Jeff and Michael, thanks so much for joining the show this week. And uh, until next Tuesday. Ah! Uh-huh.